The content contained in the following Inclusive Head podcast is provided only for educational and informational purposes. Copying, selling, distributing, storing, or any similar action with the content from the Inclusive Ed podcast is expressly prohibited without prior written permission from Quality Schools International Foundation. For permission or further information, please contact a QSI Learning Support Coordinator. Welcome to Inclusive Ed, a podcast for educators who are looking to support all students in their classrooms, including those with learning differences. The QSI Regional Learning Support Coordinators, Kelly, Elizabeth, and Kareem, are your hosts. We hope you find the following interview helpful and relevant to your classroom. It's time to get started. Let's hear from our expert guest for the month. Welcome to the Inclusive Ed Podcast with our guest, Dr. Amy Zarkowski. Today, we're excited to welcome Dr. Amy Sarkowski to the Inclusive Ed Podcast, a psychologist who specializes in working with children who are deaf or hard of hearing and their families. After residing in Italy for a year on a Fulbright scholarship and living and teaching in Japan for three years, she returned to the U.S. and joined the Deaf and Hard of Hearing Program, DHHP, at Boston Children's Hospital, where she remained for over a decade. Currently, she is the director of both the Institute and the clinic, Children's Center for Communication, Beverly School for the Deaf. Additionally, Dr. Sarkowski is faculty in the Leadership Education in Neurodevelopmental and Related Disabilities, LEND program at Boston Children's and holds academic appointments at Gallaudet University and at Harvard Medical School. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Sarkowski. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to speak with you today. Thank you. Dr. Sarkowski, could you please start out with how you ended up where you are today in education and what you love most about it? In the past, I worked primarily as a clinician supporting children who were deaf or hard of hearing one at a time. Although I enjoyed my interactions with those individuals very much, I saw patterns of challenges experienced by learners who were deaf or hard of hearing, and these similar challenges kept coming up time after time. In recent years, I became the director of the Institute, and there we are striving to bridge research and practice bi-directionally. So I'm working to bring research in the fields of psychology, education, and some aspects of medicine and public policy to educators and allied health professionals in school-based settings. So when I refer to allied health, I'm thinking about speech language pathologists, occupational physical therapists, some social workers, counselors, so a variety of professionals working in school systems. And that work is really intended to support students who are deaf or hard of hearing in a variety of ways. And I'm loving that the work that I do now is striving to make an impact on systems. So rather than the individual impact student by student, um, working to change systems so that they're more inviting and more appropriate for children who are deaf or hard of hearing. Thank you, Dr. Sargowski. Um, yes, striving to, to make that impact on systems is, is so important for, for the longevity of, of supporting all students. Um, could you talk to us a little bit about uh, the following? You, you do a lot of work supporting uh, professionals and how they support families with children who are deaf or hard of hearing. Uh, what we wanted to hear a little bit about is, is what your aim is to help these families find, promote, and celebrate really what, what you call the joy of the journey. 
Can you tell us a bit about that, please? I'd be happy to. This is one of my passion projects. Um, it's called Fostering Joy, and it's a collaboration between parents and caregivers of children who are deaf or hard of hearing, as well as adults who are themselves deaf or hard of hearing, and professionals that work to support these children and their families. So Fostering Joy came together out of a desire to shift the conversation from remediating challenges and focusing solely on the ear and thinking much more about celebrating the positive aspects of children who are deaf or hard of hearing. Within the United States, where I'm located, the Fostering Joy core team has done a number of presentations locally, regionally, and nationally, spreading the message about the importance of focusing on joy. When I think about my experience as a mother myself, I cherish and I hold on to those times when I've been really you know, quote unquote, in the moment with my own children. I think there's magic in the caregiver-child relationship. But sometimes, unfortunately, the focus for many parents of children who are deaf or hard of hearing or who have disabilities sometimes is on centers on the disability. So Fostering Joy is striving to create a movement really that celebrates, encourages, and honors the joy and the journey that is um, who those children are and all that they bring to that relationship. There are resources available for families that want to increase their joy, as well as professionals who are striving to find joy in their own work or remember why we went into this field in the first place, um, and also resources that help professionals to foster joy for families too. So it's been a lovely, delightful, uh, organic movement that sort of started authentically with people saying, we really want to, this to be a much more positive space um, and seeing it have some spread has been a really delightful thing. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, I'm not a mother myself, um, but I can distinctly remember, you know, times when I really felt that, that my mom was in the moment and you're right. There is absolutely magic and everybody deserves that. Dr. Sarkowski, we know that there's a lot of emphasis placed on a child's communication and language-based abilities when they're deaf or hard of hearing. But can you please talk to us a bit about how teachers can support social-emotional development, well-being, and just the building of relationships with others? I love this question. It's true that there is a strong emphasis on language and communication for children who are deaf or hard of hearing, and it really is important. When children are deaf or hard of hearing, especially if they experienced reduced hearing early in life, before they had a formal language system, learning language and communication can be quite challenging. However, sometimes I see that the emphasis on language is like for the sake of developing language, such as growing a child's vocabulary or ensuring that they're able to produce words or signs or however they might communicate. Yet the reasons why we all utilize language is to communicate and connect with others. Language serves many important purposes, like helping us think through problems, but more importantly, it really helps us to understand each other. So in school systems, some children who are deaf or hard of hearing experience a great deal of emphasis on their abilities to produce language. And so that it's on, on them, you know, yet they're not always provided the kinds of appropriate opportunities that they need to foster their abilities to interact well with others. I would argue it's important to not only label objects in the environment with signs or words, but really to be taught terminology to describe things like feelings and their wants and their needs, their desires and their beliefs. 
teachers can assist this by working to ensure that the emotional and the pragmatic content of material is being conveyed and learned as well beyond above and beyond the facts about the content that is being taught. It may also be that the quote unquote training in the class isn't really all about the child who is deaf or hard of hearing, but also the teachers and their classmates. So some suggestions could be for teachers and faculty working in schools, um, making sure that learning is inclusive and that they ensure turn-taking in conversations. For children who are deaf or hard of hearing, it can be very difficult to follow if people are talking over each other or if it's not clear who's in charge of the conversation. So that's one suggestion. Another thought is that um, learning how to incorporate visual supports to make sure that under children understand what the main topic is, is quite important. And sometimes that's as simple as pointing to the board and ensuring that everyone has visual attention to the board before conveying information or having a physical object that one sort of centers a conversation on. Those are very simple strategies that any teacher can do, but it is quite helpful for children who are deaf or hard of hearing to identify what is the topic that we're then talking about. I think a third you know, suggestion and way of thinking is to, for people to really understand that when a child uses hearing assistive technologies, such as hearing aids or cochlear implants, that does not mean that the child hears perfectly. It's not a replacement for good hearing. Too often in school systems, when children have ear gear that they wear, um, the assumption is, well, that has taken care of the hearing, and so now we can just move on. Um, but teachers and care, those in charge of the children's care and learning really need to know that that is a bridge. It helps to provide information, but that there's more that needs to be done. And by doing these simple ways of pulling on visual strategies, ensuring that children who are deaf or hard of hearing know who is conversing at, at a given time, that will really help them to avoid having missed cues and, and helps them to feel more comfortable in the classroom. That's great. And I, I love the term, you know, we use language to connect with others. I think that really helps to ground what, what we want to have as an environment in our classrooms. And I have yeah. to with a cochlear implant and I never realized until I had him in my classroom uh, how often I was facing the board away from the students, giving directions and speaking when he couldn't see my mouth moving um, and, and how that really impacted his, his comprehension. And so it just, it took me making sure that when I was facing away from students, I wasn't speaking. Um, and I like to- I love that. It, I think it was a good classroom change. Um, so I think, can I add, is it possible to add one more thing? Please. Another strategy that people might try is to do a, an auditory simulation. So if you have a student in your class, for example, who has a moderate hearing loss and uh, uses hearing aids, there are these free simulations that you can try online, which can give teachers the experience of what it, it sounds like. And some of them are fabulous because you can hear what it sounds like. So a particular child may be missing certain aspects, certain sounds that aren't quite, they don't quite capture them. But then you can also overlay what it would sound like with that kind of hearing loss if you were in a busy restaurant or in a busy classroom. And then you have a much more robust understanding of what that experience is like for the child. Great addition. Dr. Sarkowski, are students who are deaf or hard of hearing more prone to experiencing delays or struggling to learn to read? And, and can you speak 
please, a little bit about what practices teachers could follow to support developing literacy for these students? Another great question. I do want to start by sharing that I have several friends and colleagues who are deaf and are highly accomplished, well-educated, and excellent readers. It definitely is possible. I do think that there is a perpetual myth that deaf children struggle with reading. And so I think it's really important to set the bar high because I don't want that to be the expectation. Um, but that said, when a child does not hear, the process of learning to read can be challenging. I certainly learned phonetically. You know, I learned that a particular letter makes a certain sound. And when you put those letters together, it creates a word. And that was how I learned to read. And the process for children who are deaf or hard of hearing can be different. Some suggestions include starting with storytelling. We don't read in isolation. Similarly, we, if we think about children's books, we, we link them to the pictures, right? One of the things you can do with children who are deaf or hard of hearing and are young is to start with picture books that don't even have words, but telling that tell a story. So perhaps the story is about animals on a farm. So in the process, if a child has hearing technologies, like hearing aids or cochlear implants or Bajas, you can link those and say, that's a pig and it sounds like this. And each time we see the pig on all of the pages, we can, you know, what is that word? But then children understand what the premise of the story is. And that's an easier way to start linking on, mapping on the language to the stories that they're being exposed to. Learning has to be fun. Many elementary school teachers are fabulous at making learning fun. Historically, some teachers of the deaf have been very focused on, you know, linking. It, it tends to be a little bit, it can be less fun. So bringing the fun back is an important part of that. In terms of learning to read, the brain recognizes patterns. Words are patterns of letters that have specific meaning. And so whole word reading approaches can be useful for understanding word to meaning connections. If a child uses assigned language, of which there are many, and each culture and context has their own sign language. Um, but if that's true for some children, then those signs can be sandwiched together. You might have a sign and then the written word, that's the equivalent, and then a picture of that object or the actual object. And as you start to layer those on, that really can help to facilitate reading as well. Um, the more exposures and experience a child has to things that are interesting in their world, that can also help with learning to read. So seeing patterns of letters that describe something living under the sea may not have a lot of relevance, but if you take that child who's deaf or hard of hearing to an aquarium and they've shown an interest in the starfish and the sea urchins and they get to experience that in the touch pond. So then when you're going back, the word sea urchin in English is a strange looking word. But if you've had that opportunity to touch it and you can link it and say, remember when that funny little creature grabbed onto your finger? That's what we're talking about. And here's what that pattern of letters looks like that indicates what that thing is. So that's a nice way to build on on children's natural interests um, and, and motivate them to want to learn to read. So my best advice for teachers who are working with children with deaf or, who are deaf or hard of hearing rather is to make it visual as much as possible. Thank you, Dr. Sarkowski. Um, would you be willing to share with us a few suggestions for what teachers could read, watch, or listen Two, in order to learn more about supporting students who are deaf or hard of hearing in the classroom? 
Yes. We kicked off this interview and I talked a little bit about fostering joy. So I would like to encourage people to look at the Fostering Joy Professionals website. There are some resources there that you can download. And if this is something that's of interest to you, you can consider how you might join that movement. That's one strategy. If people are interested in looking at some videos that are very well done about how do deaf babies learn to communicate, that um, if you're working with young children or those in preschool, there's a nice series that is from the University of Sheffield, Dr. Danielle Matthews. And she's done this in collaboration with the National Deaf Children's Society in the UK. And those are some very easy um, to look at, pleasurable videos to watch that can give you some good information. Another resource would be the National Association of Australian Teachers of the Deaf. They have a lot of podcasts and webinars that they have recorded that you can also witness and view. And they're intended for those who are teaching elementary and older school age children. And that would be another resource. And then a website that I would recommend is called Supporting Success for Children with Hearing Loss. That website includes a lot of downloadable resources that people can easily access and that can be quite relevant. So if you're trying to teach a particular content area or you're looking for strategies about how to make your classroom acoustically appropriate for a child who has a hearing loss, those can be resources that would be useful as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Sarkaski. We have so appreciated getting to hear from you about supporting the language development and social emotional functioning among children who are deaf or hard of hearing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inclusive Ed from the QSI Learning Support Team. Special thanks goes to our guests for taking time to share their knowledge, skills, and mindsets. We look forward to sharing our next podcast, where we'll feature a new guest and hear about another aspect of inclusive practices for students with learning support needs.